CBC What Moves Here conversation. This is the third and final conversation of our three-part series, Digging into Women and Investing in Commercial Real Estate, entitled New and Emerging Investment Opportunities. Of course, this is not where the conversation is going to end, but this is just the uh, the third and final kind of bow on this um, conversation. And uh, for those of you that may be joining us new, What Moves Her is a trailblazing campaign that supports the growth of women in commercial real estate. And for CBC, it will focus specifically on elevating careers, empowering the community, and supporting the success of women within the network. My name is Christina Ballas. I'm the National Director of Strategic Implementation for CBC, um, and I'll be hosting this conversation today. As you may have heard me say before, I am so lucky I get to work for such an amazing company, as a lot of us on this call do at Coal Banker Commercial as it cares so much about shrinking the gender gap in our industry for professionals and investors alike through initiatives like What Moves Her. Uh, as for any of our counterparts that don't identify as women on this call, this is for you to, of course, learn the why, um, and that will help you inevitably open doors to closing more deals with the many women that want to make a deal happen. If you missed the first two sessions of this three-part series, you can listen to part one and two on our CRE with CBC Worldwide podcast. Okay, so today we are thrilled to be joined by an incredibly interesting woman I have met through the OTSO 25 Most Influential Women in Commercial Real Estate, Sydney Phillips. Sydney considers herself a serial entrepreneur, inventor, a philanthropist on a mission to push humanity forward and live interestingly. She is the co-founder and CEO of Zook AR and uh, it's a leading virtual reality platform for the building industry. Zook AR is paving the way for the building industry to enter the metaverse by transforming traditional 3D architectural models into metaverse experiences, tours, and more. She is the chair of the Women in the Metaverse organization, an ambassador and speaker for the Mars Society, and advisor to the Female Laboratory of Innovation and Knowledge. She says, life imitates art. What we build in the metaverse will imitate how the world will be built, which is why we are so passionately driven toward the AEC and building industry. To some people, it might just be space, but that space determines how we think, what we do, and our lives and how we connect. It is the most fundamental to the progress of humanity. Sydney has gained recognition among the top 25 women in the metaverse, 25 most influential women in commercial real estate, top 100 U.S. business leaders and people in real estate, and named the 2020 Young Female Entrepreneur of the Year. Woo! Sydney, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence and for this conversation. I would you like so much that to learn. just be read every time that I wake up. If you just like read that every time that you wake up in the morning, I feel like you'd be unstoppable. That was amazing. <laughs> Um, Absolutely. I mean, so much to dig into. So first of all, tell me a little bit about your career journey and how you got to where you are today. Well, I started them real young. Um, I was 14 years old and um, my father passed away. He had a small family business and was the breadwinner of our family. Um, and when he passed, you know, bills came due. Um, and everyone was uh, kind of struggling within the family of, you know, how to go on, what kind of financial decisions do we need to make? Um, so I temporarily just stopped going to school, um, changed a lot of the phone numbers on my um, 
school website um, to where they would call me and be like, hi, Sydney Phillips is not showing up to school. And I'd be like, yes, I know. Um, and I would uh, walk to Barnes and Noble and read real estate books. Um, and so I was learning all about commercial real estate, um, started my first business at 14. Um, it was quite hilarious. I was wearing Ann Taylor suits, trying to just like look older. I was like, if I wear tweed and wear lipstick, they will never know. Um, they knew, everyone knew. Like, I don't know why you think a suit and lipstick are just gonna like casually like, <laughs> blow that one off, that fact off. Um, so I started that company um, about a year later, we were doing so well that my family was like, I guess you can continue this, but you've got to go back to school. Um, so I did go back to school. I actually got a four year degree at TCU in entrepreneurship and innovation, um, which really allowed me to keep running the company. So um, in high school, there were two companies that I started. One did great, one flopped, um, learned my lesson there. And then in um, college was really when I went gung ho and I, I started five other companies while I was in college. Um, I've done everything Amazing. from dog kennel businesses, fintech. I have a venture capital fund that invests into women, LGBTQ and minority founders. I've had energy drinks, um, more real estate properties. Um, I started developing hotels um, at 21. Um, and uh, Zook is my latest one um, and probably one of my favorites thus far. Um, we do virtual reality for architects and engineers and brokers, um, just turning any space that is going to be physical into a digital version first um, so that we can design and plan better and honestly just accelerate the whole process because I was so infuriated by the process of developing land. That is amazingly interesting on so many aspects. I have lots of questions. So I'll let me kick off with maybe the most basic that might help our conversation flow uh, maybe differently, but yeah. help us understand really um, high level, like what is the metaverse? Like what are we talking yeah. about when we're saying virtual reality and picturing goggles? Is that true? You know, give, give us yeah. a quick little schooling. Yeah, so the metaverse has a lot of different parts, right? I think that probably the most common part that everyone thinks about is crypto and NFTs. I feel like when you look online and you're like, what is the metaverse? Crypto and NFTs kind of pop up first, which is interesting because it's kind of like this first wave of the internet, similar to how um, you know, the 99 in the 90s, whenever we had the internet boom, there's always a first wave that's honestly kind of not what the whole thing's about, but it gets everyone excited. So we've already had our excited bump and now we're in the mass adoption bump. Um, I would say an umbrella term for metaverse is it's the successor of the internet. So where now you dial up people, you go on a website, in the future you'll go into a world or you'll go into a space, which I think has so much opportunity for people that are already in real estate Think about if every single site that you are going on during the day is a physical space, think about how much you can put yourself into um, the conversation and in the way of being a part of making those spaces, um, whether it's you know the decor decorating, the interior staging, the selling, um, where they're located, what features they have. I think that this is really a huge opportunity for real estate to wake up to um, if every website is transformed into a physical space that we go into in the internet. So maybe we can think about the metaverse instead of this like ethereal place that doesn't exist more as a 
way to imagine uh, possibilities, like a way to physically or to uh, not physically, but to see what you hope or what you yeah. are interested in instead of just reading about it. Um, so it's just a way to kind of excite your senses in different ways that represent real physical spaces in this in this context. Yeah. Yeah, and in some ways they are representative of physical spaces as well. Like Coca-Cola did the most amazing campaign of what one of their um, marketing centers will be like. Um, it's in Atlanta, Georgia, and they planned out the entire virtual reality thing on for over a two year period where they showed how people interacted within a virtual reality space. And then they were able to take that data and that information of what people wanted, some of their feedback from social media like Twitter or some of the feedback um, from the actual you know, uh, space itself. Um, and they were able to go build the marketing center in Atlanta, Georgia for it. Um, so, so pretty cool. incredible. Yeah, that is really incredible. So let me talk a little bit then about your career path and what brought you into Zook AR. So it sounds like besides being a serial entrepreneur, you really do take risks for yourself. Um, maybe born from necessity, right? Sounded like from your story. Um, how do you assess what feels like a good fit for you to invest in or why you decided to start certain companies? Like where do your feelers go so that mm -hmm. you're like, this is the next thing? Yeah, I think that that's kind of why I call myself a futurist as well. Um, I have a lot of foresight exercises. One of them that I do is um, the three, five, 10 and 20 year graph. And so I map out like, where do I think that this industry is going to be in three, five, 10 and 20 years? Um, and whatever you think, it's probably 10 years sooner. Um, mm because of everything that has happened with COVID, um, because of the way that our government is structured. Um, I mean, things just happen really fast. Um, and the rate of adoption for so many different kinds of technologies just exploded over COVID where we didn't even understand um, how fast we were moving and how much, you know, all of these supply issues that would have been problems maybe 30 years later that are greatly affecting industrial, um, you know, warehouses, greatly affecting office, all of that has come to fruition 10 years earlier. Um, so I think it's very, um, it's a good foresight exercise that I do very often with lots of different industries. Um, to be honest, that's how I decide in terms of, you know, investing into commercial real estate, that's how I decide on tenants. Um, so, you know, looking at gas stations, I'm like, oh, probably stay clear of those um look at grocery stores i'm like oh that's very stable people will always buy food even if there's a horrible recession people will always have to go to a grocery store now how that looks may change because of um you know the amazon effect and some of those those factors as well but you own the property it's close to you know grocery store walking if you have a drive up great um so that's a foresight exercise that i do just to kind of evaluate some risk i think also a good rule of thumb, and I, I have messed this up previously. So this is from a learning experience. This is from a big failure of mine, um, is not to invest in things that I don't understand. Um, mm. You know, crypto may be really cool and some people may become billionaires from it, but if I don't understand it, not investing into it. Sure, um, sure. So I think that's a good hardline rule for me as well. That's a that's a good point. And uh, as you know, the previous conversations I had were with um, Beth Azor and then Dalee Becker, um, and they both, you know, kind of said the same thing in, in, in different contexts, but just really either learning a space that you are interested in, but just knowing 
what you are going to invest in, you know, front and backwards. Um, yeah. So it sounds like you definitely want to feel comfortable. Now, when you're talking about emerging or new concepts, like um, thinking about starting a company with the metaverse or thinking about commercial real estate and how that intersects with emerging markets like the metaverse, how mm-hmm. do you how do you feel prepared enough to invest in something like that when it's so new? Like to me, I'm thinking, okay, if you want, if you need to be an expert so that you feel comfortable, how can you be an expert at something that's just blossoming? <laughs> I think so much of it is being comfortable, not being an expert, um, knowing as much as you can. I mean, so much of it, and that goes for any industry, right? I mean, even something that you can learn front and back, there will always be a new study out. There will always be a new book out. We're in the information age where we haven't really figured out how to take all of the info and data that we collect on a constant basis and then turn it into valuable insights. We aren't there yet. We don't have like computer chips in our brain, which I don't want that, but um, (laughs) I'm like, please, no, I like mine. Um, But we haven't figured out how to um, actually commoditize it and figure out what that data means. Um, So to your point, I mean, I think I think so much of it is being comfortable with the uncomfortable um, and evaluating it as a whole. Right. So I really understand commercial real estate. That's my bread and butter. That is repeatable, scalable. Once every two years, buy another $5 million property, keep going, rent increases. Like, I know that. That's my bread and butter. Um, That's easy. I can do that on my sleep. The other stuff is the exciting stuff. That's the challenging um, parts of, you know, the metaverse and VR and those kinds of things. So I think a lot of it is also looking at overall your your overall wealth and and where your money is and saying, okay, I can take this 20% risk and I'm going to cap it at this. I mean, I have very strong lines as well on how much I'm willing to bet on certain things. Um, So, you know, I know like if this is my income and I'm spending this, then I have this amount to spend on these three riskier companies. Um, and, And I look at it as a whole as well. Yeah. That makes sense. Talk to me a little bit about your commercial real estate. When you say it's your bread and butter, what is, uh, what, what industry do you usually pour your investments into? Are you diversified? Like talk to us, talk to us commercial real estate. Yeah. Um, love single tenant, triple net um, leases. I have very long-term ones, 15, 20 years, about five, five-year options is pretty normal. Um, we started, um, we started with grocery and I would say mostly because I know a lot of the grocery operators. Um, so it started with close family connections into grocery operators. Um, once you get one, you have the trust of them and then they open a new store, those kinds of things. Um, so I would say grocery is probably our largest um, asset type um, and tenants. And then um, I would say restaurants that have adapted well to COVID with um, drive-in staples of the community. Um, I would say our biggest staple is Jack Stack Barbecue, which is a staple of Kansas City. If anyone um, wants to fight me on Kansas City Barbecue, um, <laughs> I'm like, I'm very loyal, very loyal. Um, I live in Texas and I will not eat barbecue here because I'm like, I feel like I'm cheating. Um, <laughs> But yes, barbecue and and restaurants that have adapted very, very well to COVID. And we were very worried about that in the beginning. um, I believe whenever COVID hit, we had bought this restaurant and we were only a year in. And we called him and we're like, you know, we can push back rents. What's going on? 
you know, they shut down all the restaurants. We were scared. Um, and they sold every single stock of, of all of their food within like three days online um, and had pickup orders and completely adapted the building. Um, it was just incredible. So I, I, I'm finding it in, not just interesting, but something that I think people can learn from is I, what I'm hearing is you do, you do invest in very stable spaces, yeah. industries, longer term things that will not feel risky, but then it allows you the creativity to try new and different things. Yes. Yep. I, I go very stable with, um, commercial real estate just because, um, I, I kind of have an old, old, older mindset towards it of like, it's not broke. Don't fix it. Like just keep it how it is. Um, it's working well. Um, and I do like, um, I like the grocery store operators as well. Um, you know, working with that group of people and having those as your tenants, they are reliable. Um, yeah. yeah, and trustworthy. Although you're being so modest because you're saying if it's not broke, don't fix it, but you're blowing the lid yeah. <laughs> with yeah. ZooKR. So talk to me about the metaverse, ZooKR, and how that will help us like think about commercial real estate differently and just what, what it's all about. Yeah, so... Um, every component of an architectural project requires some kind of input from um, multiple different consultants, right? So you've got, you know, architects talking to consultants of, um, you know, the engineering, the construction, um, maybe they're talking to the developer and saying, here's what we can design. Um, you're going to city council and trying to get approvals and zoning. Um, so really, Zook is a virtual reality platform, but it's basically from the very beginning conception idea of a property. So when you're designing it with the architect all the way through to approvals, approvals and zoning with the city, or if you want to share it with neighborhoods, um, down to marketing, sales and leasing. Um, so we go throughout the entire building life cycle. Um, I started this because I had a development project myself and quite honestly, COVID hit a complete wrench in the wall, um, of our plans and made me completely rethink how we go about actually, um, building a building. And so I started it with my own. And, and at first it was not a company. I just developed the software. Um, honestly, I learned how to code Python and a little bit of unity in like eight weeks during the pandemic. It was a rough time. Um, <laughs> rough time, locked indoors, was trying to figure out how to code this thing. I mean, I guess it's better than binging Tiger King. So good for you <laughs> for learning code. It's a little more productive than maybe what some of us did the first day. Maybe a little better than Tiger King, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I figured out um, how to basically turn my architectural blueprint of these 3D models that my architects had drawn up um, and we turned it into this whole VR tour and we were able to go on and still do zoning, communicate it with neighborhoods um, and even funding. Um, you know, we were able to still talk to banks about it, um, get, you know, sell our vision of what we were trying to build. Um, and it was a huge project. I mean, it, it was office, hotel, multifamily, um, huge retail center. I mean, it was a massive development site. So I had a lot of people chiming in that needed, you know, information on, on the project and to get on board. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so Zook, um, I would say the metaverse is, you know, successor to the internet and we primarily work with architects, um, commercial real estate brokers, engineering, construction, and developers are kind of our bread and butter. 
Awesome. Tell me, how does that work from like, how, how, I guess I'm, I'm like thinking about like, how do you even go about starting a project with working with a company like yours? You know, do you need like who, who creates these worlds basically to help people envision what the development plan is? Well, here's the funny thing. All of your architects do. So, you know, those really beautiful renders that you get pictures of that's like on the front of like a pamphlet. Um, Those are made in SketchUp and Revit and Rhino, which are all architectural visualization softwares. So they're already 3D modeling um, all of these properties to give you a 2D picture. Um, So all that we're doing is taking that 3D model and then we turn it into um a virtual reality or an augmented reality experience so virtual reality just to clarify is the actual headset so that's probably what you think when you think metaverse um like the oculus yes you put on the headset you're inside of it you're fully immersed um it's truly like a true tour virtual reality is a true tour you're fully immersed augmented reality is Um, Think Pokemon Go a little bit closer. So you're putting a layer of the building on top of the real physical world. So this is more helpful when you're going out to the land site. Um, I struggled with this a lot whenever I was developing this project. I'd go out to the land site and be like, imagine what it could be. Here's like all of our plans. And they're just like looking at grass and a bunch of rocks that have been moved. And they're going, I don't quite see your vision. Um, so augmented reality is a way for people to see the vision, um, as it relates to the environment. So I love AR equally as much as VR, which is an unpopular opinion, um, solely because of the use case and real estate. Um, I'm still able to see the road, how close it is. I'm still able to see, um, you know, if there's drainage and sewage, um, how close, you know, are there curbs? Um, can we get a drive through in? I'm still able to see all of the surroundings, the trees, um, if there's a creek and water detention, all of that. Um, so between augmented and virtual reality, we can really see the holistic view of a property, of fully inside, um, and then actually on the property itself. But um, we're just taking those 3D models and making it shareable. And we do that through, you know, QR links. You could put a little QR code link um, on your pamphlet, on your memorandum, your offering memorandum. Um, you could put it in City Hall to maybe share with them. Um, we've also had a couple of customers have actual sites in their offices. So they have like two or three headsets on the wall. And whenever they bring in investors, people that are interested in leasing or buying, um, any people at all, they have these three headsets that are already programmed with their you know, three properties um and then they can just jump into the tour in the virtual reality tour so interesting okay so so for augmented reality so for ar right so i'm let's say i'm bringing your or a broker is bringing the ipad with them and yeah. instead of saying imagine if we have a grocery store here you're like yeah. here look at the ipad there's the land this is what it would look like based on what mm-hmm. our architects already like put out so it's mm-hmm. just marrying what work you've already done in a way for someone to actually physically see it in real time instead of holding up a piece of paper you're like this is how yes. it looks that's yep. really cool yeah um what are your use cases for then vr would you would you ship somebody an oculus and say that's far away that wants to that's thinking about investing like would you use it to try and land a deal that way or how do you how would you do that 
I mean, here's the thing. Three years ago when we started, I probably would have told you no, um, just because the headsets are $1,000 or they used to be. Now they're $200. If you have to spend $200 to get a $4 million building closed, to me, that's worth it. That's, That's a very savvy marketing budget. Um, so I think now with the, um, decreased price of headsets, absolutely. Um, and you could throw in, you know, little pamphlet of, you know, here's how you log into the tours. Um, now you wouldn't have to also necessarily send a headset. I mean, that's kind of like top grade. That's what I would imagine Coldwell Bankers commercial would do, but, um, when it comes to you know the actual shareability and accessibility of it, I don't even think someone necessarily needs to have a headset because you can still record your experience in virtual reality and upload that to YouTube, Vimeo, LinkedIn. You can still upload all of these experiences mm. in real estate and share those links as well. Interesting. Okay, wait, we have some questions in the chat, so I don't wanna leave those. Yeah. Um, Kim is asking, is your metaverse program available to the public? Um, it is. Um, we are undergoing, we are public in augmented reality. We are still private in virtual reality. Um, we're working through pilots and we are set to release probably May or April um, publicly um, with our entire virtual reality platform, which is also multiplayer. Um, I don't think I mentioned that, but you can join multiple different people in the same space. Um, so let's say that you and I wanted to jump into a property and you were showing me a medical building. Um, we could jump into the same property together and I can actually tour it with you from opposite sides of the world. Mm, that's pretty yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that takes work from home to another level because you're not I'm really not... home, but you really are. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, that's awesome. Um, Ginny is buzzing in the chat and she is so great and very ahead of her time as well. Um, she says she has VR headsets in the office um, and she wants the glasses too. And then she just said, so can you record a VR tour and save it as a dot move? Yes. You can. Um, and that can be shared through all different types of media. We've seen that done, um, at least within Zook, we've seen that done um, with um, YouTube and Vimeo. So then people will add like a little link onto their presentation deck or onto the offering memorandum and it automatically goes to that deck. Um, and then sometimes they'll also put a little QR code, which allows them to join in VR if they have the headset. So makes it accessible to both where it's a link and also you can join in VR if you have it. That's very cool. Yeah. Uh, also, Ginny says that's brilliant. Those are her words. So, <laughs> um, and we're getting love for uh, the explanation, the difference between AR and VR. That is very helpful for sure. sure. Um, amazing. Okay, so tell us in if you have your three, five, 10, 20 years, what are you seeing in the commercial real estate industry and the metaverse and all of that? You know, what you're working on with marrying those worlds. Like, what are your future uh. futurist views? Yeah, when I um, started Zook, I had put virtual reality tours becoming the norm as 10 years. Um, and about a year ago, um, we started to see the 20% adoption. So we're at 20% adoption within commercial real estate of people um, using virtual reality tours in replace of um, in-person tours, which I think mm. is mind boggling. Um, I had set that for 2031 and it happened in 2021. Um, so about a year in, um, so 
that's that's one piece, right? Virtual reality tours, I think, are here to stay. Um, now, I do want to clarify, I think there's a lot of buzz about metaverse, and I, I hope that you guys don't jump at everything that says metaverse. So I want to mm. share with you three things that I think are going to actually stay. Awesome. Um, and these these will be, th this is from my foresight, this is from what I think will, will stay. Um, everything will be in 3D. So virtual try-ons for shoes, sunglasses, 3D homes, buildings, um, will be a natural part of the sales process. Um, everything will be in 3D and it'll be shared through AR and VR applications. Um, there has been significant chatter and just thousands of patents being filed by massive um, tech companies like Apple, Samsung, Google um, for glasses, just like you're wearing, um, but with virtual reality and augmented reality overlays. Um, so the big clunky headset that we currently have, which is thousands of light years ahead of what we had whenever I started. Um, I used to complain, I would take off the headset and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I have a headache every time because this thing weighs so much and now it's so light, I, it's like wearing glasses still. Um, but there are so, so many different patents that I think um, it'll make it more accessible to so many different people, um, especially as Apple rolls that out, be kind of like the new Apple Watch. Mm -hmm. um, second thing is shared persistent real-time experiences. This is what I mean by that. Um, imagine that you're walking into a digital wine shop, okay? You can talk with an expert, you can get questions answered about where this wine is sourced, um, what's the flavors, the underlying tones. Um, and in real time, you choose an, a wine to order and then the physical good ends up being delivered on your doorstep the next day. Um, I think this is related to commercial real estate and I hope that real estate advance like gets advantages on this and jumps all over this as soon as possible or they will be replaced i'm very concerned about it um in regards to retail um the amazon effect obviously of having a physical good show up to your your product or show up to your door um and also having access to all of these people that we now call you know luxury experiences like a luxury fine dining or luxury um, you know, wine tours or things like that, we'll have so much more access to that. So this whole multiplayer, real-time experiences, we're shared, we can talk just like this, um, like we are on Zoom and you hear me, you see me, you see all of my, mu my movements, only we'll be in a physical space um, and um, in a retail shop of the digital world. Um, that's number two. And three is decentralization and digital sovereignty. So basically you create and own your own data and you will be able to make money off of it. So um, right now, you know, if you post on LinkedIn, um, you don't own that content LinkedIn does. Um, in a different fashion, in the metaverse, if you post on the metaverse or if you have a, a real estate spot in the metaverse, you own it. Whatever platform you're on does not own that. Um, so you can make money from that. Now, interesting application that has not yet been done. Um, there's a lot of talk about it being done, but I would love to see who's the first of a physical space that already exists, creating a digital replica in the metaverse and having dual income streams from the digital space and the physical space. For instance, a hotel. Um, 
you know, you could have a really amazing hotel co-working sites. This would work great for office, like co-working office spaces. Um, to have a physical space and then also a digital that you're receiving income or subscription basis off of both of the places. Um, Interesting. Which I think will be very, very revolutionary in the terms of real estate. What would be a use case, uh, like let's say the hotel, the hotel space, what would be a use case where somebody would actually spend money in the metaverse, like in the in a in a metaverse version of the hotel that you're physically staying in? Like, why would I spend money in the metaverse instead of it has world? to be an experience? So think about mm. all of your four star, five star hotels. Um, so much of it, you're you're paying that extra buck because it's it's an experience. Um, there's some kind of water nearby. Maybe it's it's like a little stream. They have like little sailboats you can replicate that exactly in the metaverse um, and have, you know, a little sailboat tour, whatever else. You could have dates in the metaverse, um, business meetings, you name it. So anything that is a a drawing point for that property can most likely be turned into a digital asset. That makes sense. Okay, this sounds so far away, but it probably isn't. I'm like, this sounds like the Jetsons, but I think if you like look at the years the Jetsons took place, I think we've already passed it. <laughs> yes. Yep. Okay. Yes. Um, it's so mind blowing to think about. I mean, I um, I always say like, I really miss being, and I love working from home and having the flexibility for the most part. Um, I miss physically being with people and video has helped me feel connected, but I yeah. suppose if I had more of an, a virtual reality space, I wonder if that would take that to that next level where I would feel even, even more connected to my colleagues or coworkers or feel like I'm really, I really am sitting and chit chatting with somebody and maybe it's not like an avatar or like somebody that looks like me. Maybe it just is me and that would feel really nice. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, this is it. We're still talking. You can still hear me real time. Yeah, I can still yeah. see you look into your face, but it's also static, right? Like we're not in a space together. Um, I have my background on, you have your background on. Um, we're not in a space together. So we can't really like experience anything together rather than us just talking. Yeah. Um, if we met in the metaverse, then we could walk through a property together and I could be like, oh, I really like that. I like this for future reference. Um, you know, just so that, you know, also I don't like places without a drive through and I could kind of like go through that. Um, if we were to do a deal together, then, then you could get a feel for it. You could walk me through a property and be like, okay, now I know what you look for. Great. I'll mark that, put it in my notes. Now I know what to send you. So interesting. Yeah. That's a, that's a really, I love that use case. Like, let me talk, take you through tours of some theoretical spaces in the metaverse and you tell me your likes and not you know dislikes and that yeah. might help me match a property with what your needs are even better that's yeah that's really cool to me and you can do that with clients regardless of where they are and yeah. saving time of like getting in the car the driving to each spot we can just sure. hop in like four different properties in 30 minutes and walk through how do you think this will open up the doors for like um, international dollars like flowing into different like I guess maybe U.S. hard assets right like coming into our country like do you feel that there's that you've seen an explosive explosion of use cases of international folks touring this way? Yeah, um, I would say the biggest has probably been China. Um, they're buying a lot of property in terms of um, industrial and warehouses this way. Um, 
Now, that use case may have a little bit more for, may lean a little bit more towards AR rather than VR. Because mm. um, you're not as, as concerned with what's on the inside. It's still important. You could still do a VR tour, but the AR is probably more important than that one. Um, yeah, I, I would say I, I'm not totally well-versed in this, but I think as far as foreign investment goes, this this is the definition of work from home friendly. Um, yeah. Right. This is work from anywhere. Do clients from all over the world. I believe you guys are international, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is a way that you can not have to fly in, um, you know, so many thousands of miles and yeah, hour flights, <laughs> which I am not a fan of. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. <laughs> um, I I deeply feel that, especially with how <laughs> flights went the past year and a half or so. Um, we so Ginny was saying retail is already being leased in the metaverse. Is that true? Are you feeling, are you finding that people are leasing space in the metaverse? And like, how does that play with what, do you dabble in that or you're just yeah. focused on the physical and, and augmented or virtual space meeting? Yeah, I dabble in that too. Um, Louis Vuitton bought a physical or a, a digital space um, in the metaverse, a retail shop. Um, and they had so much influx of um, people, the virtual try-ons, what I just told you about with the, um, everything is a 3D experience. So everything yeah. is a physical good turning into 3D. They had such an influx um, that it it got um, Gucci, McQueen, Neiman Marcus, and Saks Fifth Avenue all to buy retail fronts in the metaverse as well um, within the same week um, wow. because they had to start an entire new department um, and, and they're appointing chief metaverse officer at the moment. Um just to an entire separate part of the company, like an entire arm of the company was developed from this one little thought experiment of retail in the metaverse. And it just absolutely exploded. And then all of the um, big designer luxury brands were like, oh, we got to get on this. This is, they're starting an entire department. We're left behind already. That's so interesting. So do you feel that, that that's just kind of the beginning of the curve that'll turn into something else? Or do you think this is what the future is, is that there will be leased space in the metaverse? Will there be brokers that lease space in the metaverse? Who gets the commission? Who owns the property? Like where that feels like the wild, wild west right now. Oh, um, it's already being done. There's entire brokerages just on leasing property in the metaverse. Um, Now I specialize, I want to clarify, I specialize in, in, um, you know, properties that are going to be physical, turning them into digital for the sole purpose of understanding the physical property better. But I do dabble in um, metaverse leases. Um, And there's entire brokerages being formed out of this, um, entire, you know, whole new careers being developed out of this. I I just think there's so much opportunity with um, digital spaces. I mean, the the crux of the next internet is is a digital space. If real estate people aren't involved in the digital space, they'll just leave them out of it and there'll be a whole new industry created from this. Um, that's my experience. I, belief. I like, I, I think that makes it, um, at least for me, I can speak for myself. This makes it, um, this makes something so ethereal, so much more concrete, right? So it's not just this, um, I don't know, maybe this like gaming universe or thinking about people like spacing yeah. out into a world because they don't want to like live in their own physical world. Like sometimes it gets like the metaverse gets that rep, right? Like it's just this this youth escapist thing that's just a fad, right? Yeah. But it's more about how do you use the technology 
um, that exist to enhance your physical space or your job or your client relationship or your luxury experience. Or it's it's an enhancement, and it's like you said, taking a technology like the internet and using it at its full capacity, as opposed to it just connecting. You know, here's your email instead of getting a like you know yeah. an actual letter in the, in your mailbox. Like that's not what the internet is now anymore at this point yeah. you know email is like so passe right like yeah yeah if you want to um, and if you really want to think about i think this kind of goes to your earlier question about foresight and and thinking about what's in the future right anything that teenage girls and the gaming industry are obsessed with will be super cool in two years um <laughs> So I that watched, sounds so scary to me, by the way, because you couldn't pay me enough money to go back to my teenage years. Right? I know. <laughs> so like, oh my God, thinking about that makes me terrified. But it but it happens with everything. Um yeah. teenage girls run the internet and gaming. So teenage girls basically decide what's cool and what gets mass adoption. Um, which is insane when you think about it. Like, think about TikTok. Everyone thought that, that was a dancing app. Now it's a multi-billion dollar company. They have offices all over the world. Um, it's the most consumable social media platform. I mean, there, there's entire businesses made off of TikTok ads, influence. I mean, it's insane. Um, so teenage girls decide socially, behaviorally, what's cool and relevant and, and deserves mass adoption. And then gaming, that's really where you need to watch for the technological advances happening there. Because they will typically happen within military and gaming first. Mm. Um, anything that the military is doing, they will wait like three to four years before they actually release it. Um, or if gaming gets to it first, the military will normally like license it and keep it a secret for a little while and then they'll release it. Sure. Um, so yeah, watch military and gaming for technology. I mean, that's GPS, right? Yeah. And that's all of AR and VR, I think, right? Started in the gaming yep. industry. Uh, actually, maybe even military too, right? With simulations. Yeah. Um, and when you do Apple Pay, the near finder thing on your phone, yeah. that was all military. Um, gaming, all of virtual reality was created by ga the gaming world like 35 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so it's so wild to think about. Um, this has <laughs> been like the gaming, most fun conversation. I wanna I wanna like bring us back into commercial real estate, but also thinking about investments. Yeah. Like I'm like, it still blows my mind that you were able to start company start a company at 14 years old. I guess my my one question is, how <laughs> did you even know to start a company? Like, how did you even? I mean, at 14. I think I knew how to start a bank account because my parents were very like, you know, yes. specific about like, you should know how to do this. Like you should know how to write a check. Like it was like a thing, like they were yes. proud to teach me. Um, how the heck did you know to even start, like open a company? Like did, how did you know what an LLC is? Like, what is it just reading at Barnes and Noble is like what you were like, I got to do this. No, I am a third generation entrepreneur. So okay. I grew up with conversations like our normal Thanksgiving conversation was like, how much money you make this year? Which is normally, I didn't realize until I was much older that that's an inappropriate question to ask. Yeah, um, yeah most people do not like whenever you ask them that. But that was that was something you and I have talked about in Austin that you're like, we should normalize this, especially amongst women, because yes. we never like know the deal on not like how much should you get paid for a speaking engagement? Like nobody talks about this stuff. No one talks about that, right. no. Um, so I, I was always very honest about money. Like I, I was just genuinely curious about it and just wanted to know, like, how do these people do this? Like, how do you do this? Um, so businesses, um, starting businesses and money was just a normal conversation. 
Um, I was like 12 and I, I remember taking a, a, this is really, I'm like truly showing my nerd colors right now. Um, I was 12 You're when I, company. I know I'm like, oh gosh. Um, I did sign up for a community college, like accounting class when I was 12. So that helped too. Cause I had some of those textbooks. Yeah. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Like a child. I've always been just like a child in a room of adults. Just yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. It's probably why we can relate. Um, so, okay. So you started your first company at 14 because you had your entrepreneurial background. What, um, what was your best investment you've ever made and what was your worst? Oh gosh. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, Okay. Um, I'm like having, uh, like just like triggering thoughts thinking about the worst. So I'll start with the worst. Start with the worst. I'll start with the worst. Um, I did invest into crypto when it was very, very hot in 2020. Um, that was a bad investment. Um, horrible. The entire like blockchain failed and lost every single cent. Um, Probably my worst investment. Um, as far as commercial real estate, I don't think I've ever made a bad investment in commercial real estate. All of mine have been pretty Amazing. solid awesome. um, and still going. I think I've only sold one in the meantime. Um, and as far as best investment, I would say my stable commercial real estate. I like a good bread and butter, repeat, scalable um, kind of business. Um, I'm very conservative when it comes to debt to service ratio as well. Um, no more than 80-20. I don't like the real risky um, where they're like 80% loan, 20% down. Mine's flipped. Um, yeah. yeah. What do you What do you um, have for advice for maybe brokers that are that would love to tap into someone as like avant-garde in companies and tech as you, but that like to make uh, the bread and butter commercial real estate investment seem really attractive? Like, how do you how do we reach someone like you to say? This is a good stable investment. So you can go play yeah. <laughs> with your amazing I would, creativity. I would get involved in entrepreneurship organizations. There are a lot of people that entrepreneurship is a disease. Once you start, like you're addicted. It, it's just like a form of addiction that's like rewarded. Um, so um, I would go to entrepreneurship networks and organizations. Um, find people that have had multiple different companies. They probably have some cash. And to be quite honest, most like entrepreneurs, they don't quite know how to invest because they probably weren't good students. Um, so I think that you have a lot of, of room there. Um, and then I would say, um, I know that there's a lot of real estate conferences. I would urge you to go to at least one that's more like, technology focused, um, maybe a little bit more like prop tech, um, go to at least one like that because a lot of the founders in prop tech and my experience are multiple time founders, um, mm -hmm. where they've done something in terms of like mortgages, insurance, and then they go on to like a brokerage, like they've done so many different parts of it. Um, and they keep coming back to real estate and tech. So you, I think this would be a really attractive investment opportunity for them for you to go, look, you're taking all of this risk in your startup or in your high growth you know, company like this, and you're raising venture capital or bootstrapping, however you're doing it, why don't I give you some stable income here so that you can feed this giant? Um, 
That, if someone said that to me and I had no other commercial real estate properties and I was just a founder in the tech space, I'd be like, yes. Now I don't, now I don't have to go raise venture capital. I have increased, I have stable income no matter what happens. Um, and I can feed this giant. That's really good advice. I love the idea of going to a conference because we all, we all do try. I mean, I think, I think a lot of people on the call do go to, you know, commercial real estate conferences, whether it's ICSC or even our own global conference. Um, I was lucky enough to go to Cretech uh, just because it was in New York City and like I had the opportunity to go to that. And it was so interesting and like thought provoking. And then um, at the NAR C5 summit, um, I was able to like talk to some of the NAR reach folks and yes. I had to interview some of them. And that really was interesting thinking about new markets and new tech and new fintech prop tech. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's so interesting. So I think that's a good way to, it's a, a good way to dip your toe in. If you're curious about technology and commercial real estate is yeah. go to one of these conferences so you can learn about our industry, but also it just tickles your, your, it, it's thought provoking. Yeah. And I think there's multiple different angles that you could take it, right? Like you can go in there and first of all, try to like up-level your own skills to make yourself more attractive as the broker that they want to work with. Um, when, when, for instance, if an architect shows me like a 2D drawing of their 3D plan, I'm like, and no, we're not going to work together. Um, <laughs> this isn't going to work. You're like, um, why did you just squish it? Like, yeah, like why uh, did yeah. you make it the most complicated version? And now I know how our whole project is going to go. No, thank you. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, up leveling your skills. And then I also think there's something to be said for, um, uh, the connections between these people. Like, I think that this would be a great, if I was a broker, this is where I would go to go find leads. I wouldn't go to like more commercial real estate conferences, you're just going to find more brokers, which is great mm -hmm. if you want community. But um, I would go to, you know, people that are actually clients. Interesting. Love that. Okay. We have a few questions. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, oh my gosh, Brittany, that was a good comment. It reminds, it reminds her of the Sims and how we used to play like digital <laughs> world. Like, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's see. Great case for commercial residential. How far do you think we are? How far away are we from walking into an augmented type room without glasses on? Oh, if I were to picture board it, I would say five. So that means it's two. <laughs> that would be yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, let's see. Brittany asks, do, uh, do you see restaurants and businesses having this as an option while you eat dinner? Oh, like an augmented space or virtual space. Oh yeah. So, um, I've already, I can't disclose the name of the restaurants, but I've already been speaking with a couple of different restaurants, um, in terms of turning their dining experience into a virtual reality experience so that whenever people order takeout, they can still have this experience of the virtual reality, um, super popular overseas. Um, not quite as much in the U S people seem to be really tied to the restaurants and the gathering and, you know, it's very social for us, but, um, in other countries like Japan, this is super big. Um, and in, um, Southern Europe, big, big time. So mm -hmm. cool. Okay. Yeah. We have another question is AR, uh, and VR technology. Oh, how is it priced? Like, do you do it by project? Is it by the hour? We do it by seat. So we do it by seat, um, per month. Um, so let's say that you have, you know, an architect, a developer, um, and a marketing or, you know, a sales, you know, leasing manager, those kinds of things. 
Um, if you have those people, those are considered seats. Now you can share with anyone. So then you have unlimited sharing to neighborhoods, um, city council, people that you wanna go raise funds from. Um, so the actual sharing of the project, unlimited, and then the people that can control um, and upload projects and add more um, and all of the settings, kind of the admin, those are priced on seats. And where we range anywhere, I would say the average is between, I would most be, I would say most people go premium, which is the middle tier um, of 275 a month per seat. So okay. um, yeah, we're pretty middle of the road. We try to make it really affordable and accessible because um, we have a strong social justice kind of mission behind all of it, where we want to make this accessible and we don't want it to be kind of this, you know, luxury good. I want to make sure that everyone can understand the real yeah. estate spaces. I mean, talking about accessibility, how wonderful is this for people that have less mobility? I mean, that's besides the luxury of like not leaving my home because I don't feel like it, like it's quite yeah. helpful for people that can't or find it difficult to do that. And it, it brings it um, as a reality for all people. So that's really exciting. Um, okay, this conversation has been mind blowing and thought provoking. But before we leave, I wanted to ask you what are what if if our listeners could have or our guests today too that are with us could have one to three takeaways, like what are like the things you want people to either do or just remember, like, what is that like one thing or two things that, you know, whatever you yeah. do, forget this. Yeah. Um, let's start. Let's do it you know, in terms of metaverse and futurism and then also an investment. So let's Perfect. do this two parts. Perfect. First part, metaverse and futurism. Um, I would say biggest takeaway is the storyboarding. Do draw out a square and do three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, and actually plan out what you think is going to happen in your industry from your experience of working with clients or people in the industry or events like this where you're you're learning more and you're getting yourself exposed to more. Think through what you think is going to happen um, and then everything in each box, just move it up one and that's where it's actually gonna land. Um, and be prepared for that, make changes based on that. Um, I always say, you know, don't just trust a bunch of people that are trying to sell you stuff. like. Don't trust some other person's vision of what, you know, the world wants to be. Look into your own information and, and what you know from your experience. You're knowledgeable. You know this industry. Um, take what you know and some of what you've learned and combine it. So picture board it um, and move everything up one box because it'll happen earlier than you think. Love that. Um, and then the takeaway from investments are... Um, I would say just reaching outside of your comfort zone and um, connecting with more entrepreneurs because we have exits, we have um, experience running a business. We can we can run you know an investment company or a holding company very easily. Um, if anything, passively. Um, I think that is like an ideal client for a broker as someone that just buys a property every two years or a year. Um, at like a five or seven million. And then as you go on, you know, 20 years later, they're like, oh, I'm ready to buy a $20 million property because you increased my my cash flow so much, I'm ready. Um, so I would say, you know, going to some of these prop tech companies. And I think it's kind of twofold. You're going to learn a lot about the industry on a side that you nor aren't normally exposed to, but you're also going to be exposed to a lot of these people that have um, the means to actually invest into commercial real estate. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, well, I will put a bow on those two takeaways um, with 
something that I would love for our uh, women listeners to hear is is the experience you gained with being really transparent or having people around you be really transparent about money and finances. And so um, the more we have these conversations and the more honest we can just kind of ask questions in safe places and just, you know, hey, how much is this? How should I value this? What should, you know, how much money should do you, should I be making on this kind of yeah. deal? You know, it's, we should try and just push the, um, the taboo away in safe places so that we can really just be um, better and make more money yeah, <laughs> at the end I, of the day. Yeah, I will um, gladly attach my email to the show notes of this, um, if you yeah. will, um, and reach out to me. I have an entire model um, that I've done actually with Beth Azor. I'm doing it for her conference in March. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and I have an entire model that I'm happy to send to you that models out like if I buy X property and I finance this amount, how much cash flow I have, how much will I pay in taxes? And I, I'm happy to share with you, you know, how I model out and um, you know, those those properties and how I decide as well. Um, I'm very transparent about it. So you can always message me and just be like, hey, how do I make how do I figure out if I'm gonna actually make money on this or if this is a flop? Um, That's awesome. Okay, so how can people get in touch with you? Is it LinkedIn? Is it email? Like, what is the best way? LinkedIn is my platform, Real Sydney Phillips um, on everything. Um, Zook AR um, is our website. Um, you can get a hold of us there as well. And then my email is just sydney at Zook AR. Um, and you can email me about, you know, as far as metaverse or VR things, or if you're interested in kind of the investment realm, I'm happy to send you that financial model. Thank you so very much um, for anybody that had this invite from me. Um, I think Sydney's not. I think I know Sydney's um, LinkedIn was like a, a hot link in there. So you can click through there, message her there. Thank you so much for sharing just all your knowledge, your experience, all your learnings, your, uh, you know, and being vulnerable with sharing what worked and what didn't work. I really <laughs> appreciate it. Um, for all of you who loved these conversations, don't forget to join the What Moves Her movement by going to womenofcbc.com and click on the Stay Involved form or just contact me on LinkedIn and I'll point you to the right place. Um, and if you like what you are hearing here, for those of you that are listening online, please like or subscribe our podcast and there's more content there to share. So thank you so very much. I look forward to seeing you soon, hopefully um, on the circuit at least. Um, but thank you again. Thank you.